0: So I was thinking last night, right, what would the worst possible idea for a podcast be like that's impossible to listen to? Imagine a podcast just filled with inside jokes between two people that they don't give any context on so the audience just has to listen to the inside joke without knowing any of the funny stuff. It's like it's like third wheeling two best friends. <laughs> yeah. It's the
1: worst feeling. They're like, oh, do you remember that time when?
0: And I just oh, go, no, so I don't or remember. Like, or if I just go, Miranda, I've got such an amazing bit of gossip for you, and you go, what? And I say, I can't say it here <laughs> or something like well, that. I actually listened to a podcast.
1: Um, no shade, I love the podcast, but they were talking about something, and they spent about two minutes talking about this thing that they just wouldn't tell us. They were like, no, I promise I'd never speak of it again. And I'm like, please stop saying it. I'm too
0: curious. It's like when social media people oh my god i can't really get into it because of like yeah professional i just don't mention it then
1: welcome back to the (laughs) common Crown podcast it's been a very long time
0: yeah, nice to see you. How you doing? You rock right? <laughs> Are you talking to me or to the microphone? <laughs> the microphone. It's all about interactivity, you see. I love that. I my don't memory memory. remember what... I think it's episode 12. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you you guys remember the last episode, we said, oh my god, guys, we're going to get back into it. We're going to start recording episodes. Okay, but in our defence school, this term has
1: been so intense we've been on and off mm. school um people keep getting covid and so we keep having to isolate or people keep getting um false positive tests <coughs> and you and so we have to isolate as well it's just not been good has it mm. our education has sort of been very disrupted
0: it is weird though because it's like one it's like okay everyone always talks about year 13 which is the year we're all in now for anyone who's new and doesn't know um it's <laughs> being like the most stressful year and it's like, we weren't really prepared for the transition between year 12 and 13, but we knew it would be stressful. I didn't realise how much COVID would add to that mm-hmm. quite as well. In the same way, like, I've always around about this, like, if you throw back to one of our episodes in February, March, where we were like, oh, it's no big deal. Well, it's it's good not year. Not. Yeah, right <laughs> I cringe listening back to it. Honestly. And it's like, because at the time we really thought we it really wasn't no because idea. it was like, oh, it's so far away from us and it's not even that harmful, blah, blah, blah. And then... Mm. I really looked back at a snap in February of me taking the piss out of
2: people wearing masks.
1: <gasps> oh, <laughs> like, no wait, wait no, You can up, get cancelled for off,
3: that now. No. god,
2: it was just a funny concept a funny mask. Mask. No, I'm not God forbid, I'm not an
3: anti mask.
2: Now. I like I actually do like the idea <laughs> of masks. Like before Covid I wanted to wear masks because mask, of in London.
1: But the record keen is lying, none of us are wearing anyway. masks. We're all in one bubble, don't worry.
2: Like how um Anyway, no, not that, like, necessarily, like, who's not going to do anything? It's just like a conspiracy
0: theory. Not a conspiracy theory, just like a. Yeah. So no, no no, 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 I understand yeah. the sense that It was February. The people who we laugh, well, when I say laugh, but who we seriously criticize now as being, like, so unsafe and so reckless, blah, 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 are the people who we all were a few months ago, late February, early March, when we just assumed it was nothing. And we thought we actually yeah. had a good government. Oh, cool. Yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing that I've just realised and that we're out of practice in is introducing our guests Or for the day. Oh, yeah. um, you guys have probably met them before if you've listened
1: to... Tyler's been on like two or three episodes. Yeah, he's been hard on One. <laughs>
3: Tyler just turns up, doesn't it? Sure. No, Tyler's try. just a favourite of the show.
0: I, 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 feel, you know, like I feel like, like audiences right. love me. Oliver Cheryl, if you're listening, um, I hate to break it to you, but your position as friend of the show might be up for grabs. <laughs> Tyler's coming for your title. <laughs> I mean, as I just said, the listeners
2: love me. Oh. <laughs>
0: do you know that all well, episodes with her actually have some of like the highest streaming rates? So um, I, that's what I'm saying. we like... make her a
1: permanent member? <laughs> we should get
0: Karen to design a logo. Tyler's just little <laughs> face in the corner, like know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, welcome, welcome, guys. The BLM one, though,
2: did
1: make me a bit shaky.
2: Like, I was really, like, I was listening back to it and it was just really, like, I was cocking how, like, really emotional I was.
1: No, but it was an emotional topic. Yeah, it but did. it was really, like, at the height of it. Yeah.
0: Mm. Yeah. That's A thing. lot happened this year, I can't lie. It did. I feel did. out of breath talking about this year. Is that weird? Like, it's like, because it's like, and then this happened, and yeah, then this happened. So much just happened. It feels, it doesn't. I know everyone says this, but it just doesn't feel real. I know. Like, all the other year, I think it's especially because every other year of my life has been so mundane, and I've been like, ooh, crap. This year, it's been something else, I'll tell you that. But, okay, it's, it's difficult to talk about the flip side of that without coming across as insensitive, but I'd be lying if I said I didn't take some positives out of this year either. In terms of, like, I guess, personal development and things like that. Thoughts to the group. It is really difficult, to sort of, because especially in this mindset where it's like everything feels so crappy right now. And so when you look back on like, like okay, when we ha- we just came back from quarantine this week from being locked down, that was such a blow to so many people to yeah. just suddenly come back in. And it was one of those things where I felt kind of guilty because from my personal perspective it's a bit of a relief because for me personally, I have pretty bad germophobia. And so the thought of being like contained in school with a virus made me more on edge than i would have been at potentially missing out teacher interactions and so for me although i didn't tell anybody because again it would be so insensitive for me to be like oh this is great it felt a bit more like it's weird in that sense it's how we learn a bit more about ourselves through those kind of crucial steps yeah yeah i mean i learned that i really don't like
1: being by myself and i really can't cope i know i'm uh, I was talking to some other people and they were like, oh, you know, I prefer um, working at home. I have so much more time. I've learned if I have a full day, I get much less done than if I have a couple of hours of free time. I need to be busy and then it forces me to do work. Um, when it just stretches, I just get bored and I just go on my phone and I just waste a day. So it hasn't been great for me, to be honest, Sarah, it's not been great. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. Respect, I respect your opinions and your
0: feelings. I'm, I will be honest and say that, again, in many ways, it's just... I'll, Ooh. Objectively, this year has definitely been the worst of my life, and I think also subjectively. And I don't think it's hyperbolic for any of us to say that. It's more so just that I'm really, really. You can see I'm straining <laughs> to find that positivity. You could hear me waffling before. I was like, uh, uh, maybe this was good, but no, I completely agree, and I empathise with that. But, yeah. I'm nah. just trying to be positive, but sorry. <laughs> nah, I love lockdown. That was I a I like the idea of just my sleeping
3: life. in. It was great. I like
2: the idea of every day. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, people take the life out of me as soon as I came to sixth form. The only thing I didn't like is that, because obviously it was from year 12 to year 13, we didn't even have the chance to, like, enjoy year 12 and it will kind of be forced to grow up yeah, and yeah. find yeah. new needs and stuff like that. But, oh, that, I loved it. Like, it was like, We've been at this school, because our school's quite competitive, if you guys don't know. Um, at this school, in this environment, for like, a, ever since we've been 11. Mm. And it was nice for once, yes. just being able to sit still and just chill for a bit. And actually, like, regarding that, I got to chill with my nephew a bit more... I have a bit of more of a... Because obviously I'm a bit grown up now, so I can actually cuss out my sister for her relationship <laughs> issues and stuff like that as well. So I got to unlock like, a few things. I chilled my mum a bit more and stuff like that. Only thing, I had... So- Francis,
1: yeah, Kian yeah. yeah.
2: so, and I especially had that much. <laughs> no. That March, I had a party plan. I had a dinner party plan. I had to plan to go. I planned to go to the ballet. I had another dinner party plan. All in that month and it got cancelled. Like I'm still no. I'm still mad about it because I had such
0: good dresses. And if you guys saw the dresses, I remember for like the first okay time in years, it. I felt like I was actually making progress in my life in terms of work. I was I had a great work ethic. I was doing this. March hit and I just. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. I
1: felt so, I had so many things going on. I was like getting fit, I was doing work, I had plans, I had like stuff, I had extracurricular things, stuff in the school, mm. we were planning stuff. I felt like I was really taking on a lot and it felt like quite an adult environment. And then I feel like as soon as we went into lockdown, I felt like I went back into being a child again in that I was just sleeping, doing a bit of work. Eating, like it was so going back to the basic needs, and I just felt so like understimulated. It was horrible. Yeah. I get what Tyler means in like, that you can have like a bit of a relaxing time, you don't have to see everyone. Yeah. It is a time to de stress, but after like a few weeks of that, it got way
2: too I much. mean, my parents are key workers at the time, so they're just out and I was just chilling in my house, moving because I had my little sister around me as well. Like, yeah, there's some
0: lockdown was. I feel like the crucial thing is balance in that respect. Then, where it's like I think we've all agreed, when we're in the heat of it in school, particularly our school because it's a competitive school, competitive academic school, it feel it can feel really awful. But then conversely, when we've got absolutely nothing to do, it feels just as bad at times. I get that. Also, Kian come on man.
3: I'm just playing in it no I'm sorry. not the Social element or everything so yeah who well, did
2: you socialise with what friends do you have <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, I to God, why are you even here
2: <laughs> <laughs> why are you he's gonna remember that and when we least expect it yeah. <laughs> <Yeah, yeah, laughs> no nah, yeah. I'm just joking no he's got some friends
3: yeah but you're not one of them um, <laughs> well, you called me no your best friend you said that I remember before. oh no. that's
2: cute yeah you were like, like and you were like that's not what you do when you talk to your bestie <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's just like not seeing loads of people I thought it was really weird mm. I was like year 12 I've met so many new people and stuff and then as soon as I went home all I saw my parents and my sister I was like God's sake
0: this is great Shout <laughs> no up. no she's not you did not <laughs> she, she's no. just keen but cute. She... no <laughs> no
3: she's not no, I lost half my wardrobe during lockdown because she's wearing all of my clothes. Why is she
0: wearing your clothes? Exactly.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> my nephew, he likes taking my Uggs. He just wears my like they're really big. No, they're like seven, like I'm size seven in the sixes. He's like what size one or something. He just takes off something purposely right? <laughs> just to piss off my mum. And my mum would just be giving him the look, and he's just like sorry, Nana, like sorry. And then she does. She, she, he takes both of our warm boots. I don't know why. At all, but four-year-olds have a different kind of mind, I can't lie. Especially especially Jaden.
0: That reminds me, actually. I thought something really weird the other day. In that people, kids who are, like, two, three years old, right, they're old enough to, like, see and recognise things, but not old enough to quite understand why. When they're out and about in public, their normal is seeing people with their faces covered, right, how strange would it be for oh, them one true. day yeah. when suddenly that just stopped? Because they'll grow up, or hopefully not grow up, like, yeah. over the next couple of years, it will probably be a thing they see. And then the only people's faces they've probably seen properly are, like, their parents or, like, other people in their family. How crazy will that be for them when, like, they're four years old and suddenly they step outside can see and see I wonder what that does for,
1: like, the development of your brain because mm. I know that it's, like, important... There's definitely something in your brain about recognizing faces and how that affects your memory and stuff. And I wonder if you, if you, as we're saying, growing up over kind of a critical period of your mm-hmm. um, childhood, not having to like process people's full faces and you just kind
0: of glance them and just see their eyes. I wonder if it I does see. anything. Do you know what? It will affect their dreams definitely because yeah. you know how the human brain doesn't have the ability to create new faces. Yeah. So faces you see in your dreams
3: are. Would they see like half a face.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Will they just not see faces, like, other than their families in dreams? They just think that no one has a face. <laughs> because, again, because everyone who you see in, like... Why am I putting on Everyone who you see in, like, a dream is someone you've passed by on the street, someone you met, blah, blah, blah. It's, like, it's not a completely random face. It's, it's a real it's com- person. It's
1: combinations of
0: things. Yeah, so it's I'm- not going to be one person, so I'm
1: guessing they'll just take... Um, from what they've seen in their family and you know you yes, go outside yeah. on the street you see people without their masks on it's more um, like really... in shops and things like... so I think it would be a limit, like a limited number of <laughs> combinations of
0: faces they could see I, <laughs> I guess, don't know. I think that'd be a really interesting like psych experiment for like a child psychiatrist or something to ask them to draw what they see in their dreams mm-hmm. and imagine like everyone yeah. just doesn't have like a something like that that'd
2: be so crazy but yeah. even now my nephew you know how like we used to like call on the phone like that. Mm. My nephew's like that
1: because of iPhones. For so the, the
3: purpose slap- for the purpose oh, of the podcast, she was wait, demonstrating Using oh, yeah, two fingers.
1: Using two fingers to call on the phone, as we all do. Because oh, that's, that's like the old fashioned phones. No. Like flip phones stuff like now, now he uses it with a flat palm, palm. like it's he's like using like a mobile.
0: So hello,
1: it's Jaden
2: and I'm sorry.
1: that's so
0: that's
2: and inconvenient. They, yeah. And his kids yeah. know how to unlock iPads. They really do. They memorise passwords scary. and everything. My um four year old cousin and my nephew as well they're both full they can unlock everything if you show them them no not that (laughs) but I'm just saying it's really cool because like before like we didn't. We grew up with technology, but we mm. grew up it, with it later, so we didn't really we up, get. It the
1: technology sort of grew up with
0: us. Yeah, like mm-hmm. us. yeah, I feel like we're very much like the middle yeah. age. Place.
2: Like we were there when the first iPhone was created mm. and stuff like that. But before that, we were still like playing on and playground, getting going crazy yeah. and stuff like that. We wouldn't. Mm. iPads didn't necessarily get introduced into
1: schools until like I was in year three or year four or something like I that. I feel like really? it was a good time for us because mm. when we became teenagers, that's when we needed communication, and that's yes, when yes. they yes. were developed. And I don't think children these days. Like young children really need phones, but they still have them. Yeah, so, yeah. what are your guys' opinions? Like, when if you have children or if you are a like parent figure to a child, what, what how would you approach? Be I'm just saying <laughs> it's your personal choice, Keen. I'm not oh. going to judge. Um, how would you approach? Figure. How would you approach like technology? What is there like an age limit you'd put on it, or?
3: What do you mean by technology? Like phone, phones,
1: phones, TV, video games, all of that. How was your experience growing up, seeing its effect? How would that influence your like parenting style or
0: whatever?
3: Honestly, I can't remember what happened when I grew up. But, um, yeah. this, like,
0: you probably would have been able to like go outside and go like play when you were a kid. Vers or typically, versus yeah. now parents, I understand why it's probably for a safety reason. The kid would instead just be sat in front of an iPad watching like YouTube or something
3: like that. I don't see a problem with that as long as they're still outside. I guess. Like if they're still like obviously if it, like my kids, I definitely like have them playing sports and stuff. Mm. They good for their fitness. But again, if they were like in the evening sort of thing, they wanted to go on like, an iPad, I don't think I'd have want much of an issue with it.
0: Mm. I get that. I think for me, such a te- it's one of those things where it's like when I think about the future, it kind of terrifies me. The same. In the but then again, who are we to presume that our method is correct? Because like you said, as yeah. they get like the right amount of fresh air. No, yeah, I'm saying and, like, from like a personal.
1: Does, what's your personal opinion?
3: on What would you really? say about phones specifically? Then.
0: Okay,
2: so I got my first like BlackBerry. When I was in year two. But I was only because... I was year let, two. Let, let, let me finish. It wasn't like BBM and stuff like that. I wasn't on socials like that. It was only because I would go to a lot of kids' parties... Oh, so it was just necessarily like to call my parents this is happening stuff like that oh, only just for contact
3: how old were you in year 2? like well, you're 7, seven, seven <laughs> <years> <laughs> old you had a freaking BlackBerry yeah
0: why not just a brick phone?
3: yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, that
2: the high, I had, I that high end I had though, a bit though, of, yeah. of a Nokia then they switched to the BlackBerry because I used to like to li- I, I had, to had like, a Nokia brick in year 7 you know how like how you used to like um download songs on like youtube converter and then put it on the black green and listen not to at way. seven at seven and you have to do that i i, and have I was, just, and like, everything. I was playing
3: football in like a pot with my friends mm-hmm. like, i think necessarily
2: at the end of the day if you are a parent the idea is that your kid is interacting with other kids and you're interacting with your kids so it doesn't matter if there's technology or not because i think the main problem is not technology it's the fact that you're replacing your time with your children yeah. with technology yeah. which i understand because you know nowadays both parents work stay at home parents is quite rare to see but it's just more like you need to put time to like actually interact with your child only because you don't want to get used to like staring at a screen like yeah. my nephew can stare at a screen for hours so sometimes you have to move him off screen. a bit and let's run around the house to do some crazy stuff but other than that yeah i so, like, think yeah so, so what so
3: if you like playing a video game with like your children then that's is that like is that i, I don't use video games you're still people. spending time with them
2: I don't like getting them used to video games because I had my, like, nine-year-old cousin. Sorry, I keep interrupting. Mm-hmm. But, like, she was playing Fortnite in, like, year two and stuff like that. And I'm not saying that Fortnite is a bad game, but there are violent elements to it at some point. And she was playing violent mm-hmm. games stuff like that. I don't want them to necessarily, like, lose their innocence. Like, obviously, yeah. like, that's a really important thing. They grow up eventually. Yeah. So video games maybe like, a fun
0: one, but ideally I want to play, like, okay. sports and stuff. Or,
3: like, Mario Kart sort of thing. Like- Mario Kart, yeah. Yeah. Wii,
0: stuff like that. I think mm-hmm. if I... I had to break it down to like variables. I'd say safety, spending time with your kids, the health aspect of going outside, yeah. and getting exercise. But outside of that, I d- I don't see how technology necessarily hinders any of those because, like Kid said, you can have that developmental yeah. spending time bonding with your kids through video games. I wouldn't personally because I hate video games. I it'd oh, be easy for me. <laughs> to, yeah. to do. Safety again, like that's a concern. I think that's just something you learn about as you get older. The issue for me, which I guess links to safety, is social media. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking about. Because What's that? that's terrifying it to is me. So scary. Because if I think about, like, my own personal journey with it and things like that, it's just not a... It, like, I can't say that it's a positive place. No. You have to be incredibly mature, and, like, I don't think we're old enough now for social media. I mean, even honest.
2: in primary school, that's when no warning about social media, and mm-hmm. people at that age were meeting random people on socials mm-hmm. and stuff
0: like that, when it was
2: like sort of like the start of using socials like BBM and Emerson, Messenger and stuff like that. And now we have Instagram and Snapchat and my little cousin as well, she has Snapchat. And that's not to say that her parents have bad parenting. She has people that she knows on there and her parents check it. But obviously, like, exposing them to that is a bit... Mm. So I understand why parents might limit it. Maybe in secondary school, that's a different
1: issue. Yeah. Because it's a good way to interact with other people in your year group and stuff like that. I think I'm quite... um I did resent my parents for this because they were quite strict with technology. They let me have... They gave me, I had a smartphone in like mid-year eight, I had a brick before that, because mm. before I didn't really need it, it was just like call them and stuff. And then year eight, smartphone, uh, I didn't get Instagram until year like nine, I think. And they said, if you're gonna have Instagram, you can't have Snapchat, because if you have two social media, to waste too much of your time. Looking mm. at it now, I see the point, I wasted <laughs> all my time on my phone, now I have both. But at the time, I hated them for it. I wasn't allowed my phone in my room, like at night, mm. um, because of like effects on sleep, whatever now that I do I can see why they do that because my sleep schedule is worse than when I didn't and I think now we've got to this age at least I can appreciate why they did that stuff Um, and so I think I'd probably raise my child in roughly the same way that not letting them have all that freedom at once because sometimes it well I don't know personally I think if I had had all that when I was younger it would have been
0: too much. I think one of my biggest regrets was my my parents trusted me and they still do and I love them for that and I, I think that's actually the best way to do it because I'm honest with my parents and so they're honest back with me and so they trusted me to listen to them when they said don't get social media but obviously when I was in year 7 if I see all my friends with it yeah. I'll be honest I felt almost like peer pressure into getting it and so I didn't like but like and I think that probably for the next few years really, really negatively affected me in terms of the interactions I was having with people, the opinions I was forming, the stuff that I was posting in terms of like the way that I made myself look like physically to me. Um, and I think it was like a really harsh realisation as a result of that, that now I, I feel as though I have a healthier approach social media but I don't think I honestly don't think there's such a thing as having a healthy relationship with social media no, just because mean. it's so inherently rooted in narcissism yeah apparently um, even like people who develop social media apps like the adults who work on it won't allow their kids to have it because they see it as being bad yeah. and I feel like it's kind of unethical because they're marketing it mm. to us but. yeah, <laughs> yeah they
3: that's like Steve Jobs and he did let yeah. his kids have an iPad for ages yeah. and she's getting one
2: Sorry. I have an older sister, and she was like to my parents didn't get because my parents didn't really necessarily know what they knew about WhatsApp and Viber and stuff like Viber oh, and stuff true. like that, but not no, about Snapchat and Instagram. True. So I didn't get it until year eight late year eight or like year Mm nine-ish and my older sister was the one telling my parents everything and like monitoring everything Mm -hmm. on my socials and stuff like that and it was kind of annoying at the time but I understand why because before I say stuff out of pocket it's so easy to put some really unsolicited stupid opinions on social media but she was there making sure I wouldn't post anything because she's been through it Yeah. so having that was kind of useful too because now, I mean before year nine Okay, maybe that was not the, the wisest of my decisions, but <laughs> but now I don't I don't really post anything like some stuff just d- not the whole world needs mm-hmm. to know.
0: I think also by extension, one of the things that I think parents in this day and age are unaware of that hopefully when we grow up we'll be more aware of is actually the content that kids are consuming, and I mean yeah. primarily via YouTube because again a lot of parents see is. Oh, it's the YouTube. It's da 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 da, and it's other. it's innocent and it's lovely until you see. If I I honestly think if a lot of parents actually sat down and watched what their kids were watching, they would be shocked and horrified. And I think it's just because there is like a full sense of security in something as established as YouTube. We see it as like a mainstream now, and so it's like I don't I don't necessarily want like name names, but there are people who like created content for kids who obviously now. They're embarrassed of that and they want to change. And so they've changed their content drastically to the point where it's basically softcore porn, but their audience age hasn't changed. I think I know you're talking and about And so it's like eight year olds now. American YouTubers. A lot a American, a
3: lot American YouTubers, a lot of American YouTubers American do that, YouTube. where it's like
0: they felt as though having a young audience and making content for kids caused them to lack credibility. They got quite a bit of flack for it, despite the fact that it made them very successful. And so they did a complete one and eighty, they're now like, Oh, I'm so bad and tough, and blah 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 blah, and like look at how hot my girlfriend is. Look at like and they literally like they literally put her in a bikini in the thumbnail. Oh, Except God. the thing that hasn't changed is their audience age. And so it's not as though my content changes, now it's eighteen year olds watching. It's my content's changed, but I'm now pushing this stuff onto eight year olds. And I think it's really dangerous. Like I think not enough people are like Thinking about that, and I think it—that must be a thing that for parents today is kind of terrifying because it's such like a. It's like, it's like the kids are almost being shaped more by YouTube than they are by their own parents and like the, the actual real world, I guess. Cause I don't understand why JoJo Siwa gets flack. Yeah,
2: she's like, amazing. She's
0: yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. She's so fun. unproblematic. Like, don't get me wrong.
2: I thought the girl was kind of weird. She was our age, doing you know, that kind
1: of yeah. weird stuff, but. It's better than what her age mates are doing, cause, well, it's and it's not. a good market. I respect the marketing for mm-hmm. her. She's got an image and she's sticking to the image, and because she, she knows it works. And I also
0: think it God, I think that is a bit her. Yeah, I think I don't think she. I think she'd be a lot more miserable and have like a. I think she'd find it a lot harder to keep that up if it was insincere to an extent. Yeah. I'm not saying that she is all rainbows and butterflies no, 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 mean. but I think there is an element of her that it has that innocence. And it's like there's like you're saying, there's absolutely nothing wrong with her making these songs that essentially say, You can do it, kids because that's the kind of stuff that we consume from like the Disney Channel yeah. stuff. And uh, when we go, and although we find it cringe at our age for a young kid,
2: that's, that's such need. a good yeah. message to put out. Oh, nah, I still watch Dora the Explorer, for a pig.
0: And <laughs> Arthur! <laughs> Arthur! You gotta win. down okay. the street. Everybody, i love that i actually know the theme song that still that sure huh? show
2: black as hell because i
0: know the right i'm sorry but that, even the bunny even i the love Lee. mr ratburn uh. my king wait didn't the two get, the characters get married recently? mr ratburn turned out to be do you know what the, i always knew mr ratburn and people were out <laughs> no I people were outraged by it they were like how dare you get and it's like realistically although it's wrong to operate in stereotypes you can't be surprised that he's a character turned out to be gay. Because it's not like this... It's not like, you know, in, like, I guess, the J.K. Rowling thing of surprise, they're gay. It's like, no, it seems like it was very much, like, embedded in his personality from the get-go. It's just they couldn't explicitly say it, Mm -hmm. because ten years ago, that would have been such an awful thing.
2: The thing is, at the end of the day, if you know you're straight, you know you're straight, just as someone knows they're gay. So even if there were characters getting married, um, you know, with a... Yeah, to like male no characters getting married. If your kids are straight, they'll be straight. If they're gay, they're gay. You need to stop chilling and exactly. stuff like that. More time when you hide that stuff from them, it, it always swings the other way. Don't do that. It's just it's just weird and obsessive, and yeah, I don't understand. It wasn't that deep. That was kind of cute though. <laughs> I can't lie.
0: I, I, love, I should have watched that episode. Do you know what? I, sh- I wish I watched it because um, the one thing I remember about the character was his love of cake and how every (laughs) time you go, ooh, cake, and so if he's got a wedding cake, that's going to be, like, (laughs) the perfect thing for him. But, yeah, do you miss, like, from a personal? perspective, I know we've just spoken about um, kids should consume, I guess, innocent content, quote-unquote, but do you miss being able to consume that? Do you ever feel like, if you were to indulge in that side, you'd feel, like, potentially judged, etc., or do you feel like, do you miss being able to enjoy that kind of thing? I'm, I'm honestly curious because I. No. <laughs> well, I don't think I am.
3: Um, really? Yeah, no. Because I think there's so many mean, more things that I can now do that I couldn't. That yeah, I don't really sure. care that much.
2: I mean, it depends. Like, I have friends who are like older, but it's not necessarily. It's a bit we- mm. I mean, isn't there? It? That's what K pop dramas are for. Um, no, are for. let's
3: not talk about that. I they are
2: lovely. lovely. The thing is, nowadays, like, I understand that, like, certain issues are being brought to light, but it's pretty much an excuse to have unnecessarily, like, nudity and stuff like that on the screen, which kind of is, like, it's the, there's a way to do it tastefully, but nowadays, it's literally, like,
1: the, 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 yeah. have, um, have you guys watched normal people? No. Uh, I don't want to <laughs> so watch it. Yeah, watch right so go. it's really good. It's, you have to be in, like, a good mental state to watch it, because it is very, kind of, emotional, but um, there's a lot of sex scenes and it's full nudity, but it's never it never feels like porn or anything. It feels like genuinely two young adults in love, kind of a bit awkward around each other, not really like knowing what to do. And yes, sometimes it went on for a little bit too long, and I could not watch it with my mother. But it, like I think they did it well. And I read an article where they had like a whole intimacy coordinator um, on set to make sure that everything was like choreographed, so it never got weird. And I think that there's nothing wrong with because when you start um making like nudity taboo that's when especially a younger audience they get like curious and then they go on to sites that potentially present it in like a harmful way in a unhealthy way in an idealistic way Mm. um so i think if you're going to consume it in some sort of media it's better to watch it in a show where they portray it in like a healthy way mm. instead of just going on
0: to like, I like, like to see education. women
1: being abused and stuff. Sex education is like mm. so good. Oh yeah. Definitely, yeah. That is very funny.
0: It's a really <laughs> is so funny. Yeah. I feel like on the flip side there's quite like it still serves a good purpose, but it shows that aspect of like, I guess, porn being quite violent and aggressive is um there's a film called shame it has michael fassbender in it it came out like a few years ago and it's basically about someone living with a sex addiction and so it's like well a lot of the time we're talking about things being slightly sheltered and so in normal people that's a realistic depiction of what sex looks like for people this is like what it's like for someone who's so i guess tainted by seeing and con- consuming that to the point where like it really like it's an em- it's such an emotional film it's like i recommend it it's like mm. quite like it's quite good um But yeah, it's so interesting to think about, like, how if we think about sex as a spectrum of, in terms of, well, I guess we talk about, like, positive and negative in terms of what you just described would be, like, a positive depiction of it versus the film Shame being quite, like, a negative depiction of it, it still doesn't negate the fact that it can fulfill a good purpose of being informative versus something else that would be on the negative side, like, we're saying, like, porn and certain, like, um, content online, um, Like fulfilling like a negative purpose, it's quite interesting to see that I think. But also from a personal perspective, sometimes I just don't want to see it. (laughs) It's like it's four p.m. I just got back from school. school. I don't really want to
1: see (laughs) it.
2: It's like why now? Yeah. No, but that's why. Pete, that's why parents need to talk about it first before the yeah. media gets to them first, because Definitely. then you get this twisted, distorted of idea of what sex is meant to be like, and even because of, people don't understand how complicated the damn thing is. And trust me, I'm a virgin, but um, there is so like there's basic stuff that people just generally don't know or even about the female body because a lot of sexual education as i think we were talking about before it's male it's about the male body and stuff like that and getting pregnant and stuff like that which i understand but people are going to do what they're going to do so you either tell them how to do it safely or not and you tell them the accurate depiction as well because a lot of people a lot of, I would say, a lot of guys, they go into it thinking it's only for their benefit, not knowing that like a lot of girls are left unsatisfied during sex because they don't know mm. how to do certain stuff, yeah. and that's why even parents or just
1: only someone who's a close family member should be talking about that stuff properly. And it's also quite um, like heteronormative as well. You never really see sex education where it's like, you know, two girls, two guys, whatever. And I think they do need to know that because even though there's not, like, a risk of pregnancy, there's still risks of, like, STIs and things like that.
0: Mm, and also just relationships in terms of... If, so, for example, there's, like, a young gay person or, like, a young person who's a member of the LGBTQ community, if they're not taught that in school, they'll look for it elsewhere. Yeah. And that makes them so vulnerable to enter a relationship with someone with more experience mm-hmm. again in heavy air quotes which basically means they're a predator mm-hmm. and it's so dangerous and it's like surely it's not that hard to do a lesson explaining that like how a healthy relationship looks in so many different contexts etc but Kean as our only guy here i know this might <laughs> be all answer. but i am curious what is the male perspective on it in terms of like i guess how do you encapsulate like sex education and things like that like, do you feel as though, because I know Tyler said um, it comes from, like, a male bias. Do you feel as though, I think there's no denying that. It, there's definitely, like, improper information put out there. But do you feel as though, as a guy, you felt you learnt enough about your own, like, body and how things happen with you personally?
3: Um, well, like, you have to answer you no, no, it's fine. <laughs> I am not feel like I do fall asleep in most of the talks. That <laughs> oh. um, no, I think that, I agree, I think they could do more. Mm. Especially a lot of guys don't want to bait many people out, but there's sort of things where... They try and overcompensate a lot, and okay. I don't think they sort of realise they don't need to. And there's certain things that they think they need to do and they don't. And I think that's just sort of something maybe someone needs to talk to them about is just understanding, again, what to do in that sort of situation. Because I feel like a lot of guys sort of rely on other sort of media forms to get their information. and It gives them the wrong idea, and then that's when sort of things go wrong for them. And I think that can impact them long term. Mm,
0: like a sort of pressure of. Sort of that toxic masculinity. Yeah, I think that's definitely a huge issue. Yeah. I think yeah, I th- I think it's one of those things where it's only after I, I guess like in the past few years actually taking a second to consider, like it must be so difficult for some guys in the sense that like there is everybody's telling you you have to do this. And so then whether you agree or disagree, you kind of end up doing it and it's just like a yeah. if I, I think Again, from an, like an emotional perspective, you see it really like affect other relationships they have. Not necessarily like a sexual nature, yeah, but yeah, like, you can see bit. it.
3: Mm. I think a lot of guys, some of them don't feel comfortable talking about it, which is mm. sort of the bigger issue. Whereas, like some people are very open about everything, mm. and that sort of makes some people very uncomfortable, especially when like. <laughs> what? No <I'm> kidding. <laughs> I think, yeah, a lot of guys struggle to talk about it and they sort of hide the fact about sort of stuff that they don't want to do or do. Mm. And I think it'd be a lot easier if they sort of had someone that they could talk to or rely on.
1: I feel like um, with girls and guys, it's probably just a big generalisation, but it seems to be in society it's like two extreme ends of a spectrum and that guys often place a bit too much emphasis on talking about sex a lot and just, you know, like comparing themselves to other people and, as like he and getting their information from... Um, media that isn't necessarily accurate. Whereas I feel like girls, I don't personally feel this with my girlfriends, but I do know that I've spoken to like other people about it, where there is definitely more of like a taboo culture around girls. I feel like Sarah, we spoke about this on a different podcast. I think just, I think it might've been the V word one. Yeah. Yes. Um, but just in a very, very general sense, I do think there is that sort of gender divide, and that guys are mm-hmm. often pushed to be a bit like more experienced. Yeah, um, I feel
3: like they also take criticism very easily in this sort of subject. Like, mm-hmm. no, they do. Like, even if nothing happens, it's sort of like, if girls are joking about sort of thing. They'll joke a lot, but I, a lot of guys, you can tell that, like, it actually hurts them when girls say those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And when they compare guys, like, it really hurts them, but they will never say anything about it. And or I think
1: girls are more open about that, but yeah, guys need to be as well. No, but I
3: think it's also the fact that it's different, like, guys have a different sort of experience than girls do. Mm-hmm. And I think, because a lot of it's all, in, a lot of, especially, like, like, a lot of emphasis is put on guys. And then it's like when girls sort of joke about it, it really it does really affect people. Like, I know certain people that do get affected when girls joke about that sort of situation.
0: I think as well, um, I, my question is if a guy is in that situation where they've kind of gone down that path of they've been like emotionally and physically so affected by this miseducation. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's possible to re-educate a guy like that so that he can go back to being in healthy and happy? I think
3: it is, but it also depends on like their circumstance and their Mm -hmm. personality. Like, I know it's sort of the typical thing that guys are very stubborn, Mm -hmm. but some are more stubborn. If they're like people willing to like sort of learn about it, but I I guess if they're in that situation, I think they'll want to learn something. They'll be more open to it. But I think Mm -hmm. it all comes down and determines by their personality. But I I do think it is possible.
0: Mm. Because I always wondered like if you find yourself from a female perspective in a relationship with someone like that for whatever reason it's obviously like you don't drop and run at the first sign of trouble usually i feel like the typical response would be to at least try and help them with that but the question is where do you begin and to what extent are you supposed to help like at what yeah. point does it stop being your responsibility i guess
2: i think that's at the end of the day that's why like when i'm talking to my friends are older mm-hmm. there is more like a lot of girls go into relationships thinking they can fix someone mm. and struggle of all kind of crap. But at the end of the day, you're not there to fix someone. And if you know, regardless of whether you're female or male, that you're not necessarily in the right headspace. And I know it's easier said than done to be in a emotionally invested, um, possibly sexual relationship. You need to work on yourself because as long as um you're not feeling entirely whole, I guess you're gonna drag down someone with you. And same thing with girls, you can't fix someone unless they want to be fixed. If he wants it less than you do, then you've got to leave it. And I know it sounds peak, but that's what I kind of like about nowadays. If there's some crap that you're not willing to put up with, you need to leave. But obviously it's different for, I'm guessing from a female's perspective. It depends because I think so many different factors play into it. Religion, race, ethnicity, um, stuff like that, culture. Economic circumstances. Economic circumstances, um, A lot of, like, black women in particular. Um, anything is seen as a failure if you don't get something right especially with relationships so they feel this unneeded pressure to stay in these crappy relationships hence you see all these black celebrities arguing on the internet and stuff like that and it's such a bad role model and the thing is at the end of the day it's not a failure and i know that comes under the burden of being a female and black and stuff like that but if it's you need to think about yourself at the end of the day as well so that's what I would say. But also, you got to be in a friendship group and in an environment where you can actually openly talk about that stuff and you have good people around you. You Need a support group. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing
3: with that though: is a lot of guys they sh- they will won't actually say what they're feeling in those sort of situations. Pride yeah, like thing. Yeah, that's a huge issue, and I think a lot of the times you'll find I think it's easier for like guys to tell when another guy is like annoyed or is like hurt when they, someone said something. So I think it, may, it might go over your heads, but like. Especially in social situations, like I can see when like someone's joking about something, like, they're really hurt by it, but they like, continue on with the joke. And I think I don't know, it's something that we should work on. But also, I think maybe girls should become more aware of is that 100%. guys yeah. aren't completely. Ignorant to everything, like a lot of things do actually affect him a lot more than people really think.
1: I agree. I think I see on social media now as a big movement for, like, for example, body positivity. A lot, like, a majority of the examples are based around women, and I get that that's because of the history of the media sort of like demonizing women and body shaming them. But at the same time, I can understand why there's less of like a conversation around men in the media and how that can actually like. Infiltrate into social situations like Keegan was yeah. saying because now we're all really aware. You know you, you know, you don't call a girl like fat or ugly or anything like that's just mm-hmm. socially unacceptable, but it's a bit less when it's making jokes about guys because often yeah. they don't like show it. But even if
3: it's just not like appearance wise, like emotionally, a lot of guys, it's yeah. ties in like relationships, a lot of guys could be really invested into something but won't say anything about it. And everyone thinks like they'll move on really quickly, they never do. I think they, they, they physically cannot, they'll always think about the person for ages.
2: I think that's also with the older generation. They, some of them set a really bad example. Luckily, my dad is vocal about everything, everything. But I know a lot of people don't grow up in households that way, so they feel like they can't exp- um explain themselves or express themselves. And that's why I'm going back with, um, I'm pic- I'm particularly focusing on the older people like millennials or even just older generations. You need. I know that like um obviously it's not your responsibility, but at the same time it's kind of is. is. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if older people listen to your podcast, but you need to if you know younger people around you their stuff nowadays is 10 times harder than it was before you have social media you have magazines you have porn um being distributed in a way that has never been before um you have so much they have so much on them and they need to have someone who they can talk to and I know in a lot of guys it's harder but sometimes when they do have that older person talking to them it's easier for them so, I, I mean, I really don't know. Because I'm saying in my situation, I've always had older people being able to talk to me about stuff and necessarily, like, my place of worship has always been a safe space where you can talk about the stuff with older people because there's always been that relationship established from the start. But I know a lot of people don't have that, so I'm just trying to figure out how do we do that from now, considering that a lot of us are going into
0: uni as well. I was also thinking in terms of, like, small changes where... Yeah. I think what you said made me think... Because you talked about, like, not moving on emotionally. I think one yeah. of the worst things, from my, like, perspective, just briefly looking at it, with little it. knowledge that I have, is this idea that's promoted to young men of sex as a remedy, of, mm. oh, we'll get over it and just have sex with someone else. Yeah. And I think, to an extent, it exists in, the female, exist in a female um, space yeah. in terms of rebound relationships, but I think it's such a heavily pressed yeah. on thing. And I think not only does that negate the man's emotions in that situation, it can also cause him to think of relationships as only a physical yeah. thing, which will then just, it's kind of like this whole cycle that he'll go on. of yeah. like, And it, yeah, it's just such a dangerous thing, I think. Both mental health and I think, in the long run, physical health, I guess.
3: I think one way definitely to tell, especially with guys I've sort of noticed the sort of last few years, is one way to tell if they're uncomfortable with something or something's on their mind is they'll make a lot of jokes about it. It's something that happens a lot, especially with like guys that I know and like, I'm friends with. If you can tell, like, not sort of their tones off, but if they make a lot of jokes about a single thing constantly, a, you mm-hmm. you know it's on their mind, and I think that's just sort of something that we sort of universally know, like, within our friendship, like, if someone's making jokes constantly about something, it's bothering them.
0: I think it's like it's a defence mechanism, where it it's, it's, it's like that you don't want to, anyone yeah. to make fun of it, so you're doing you it, do so. it yourself. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and then,
3: but you can also you can see like they're struggling to do it and so when they mm-hmm. say the jokes you can you notice sort of, they're changing their sort, expression for that, that split second mm-hmm. and that sort of gives it away and they'll never talk about it sort of thing I guess that's sort of something that we, like, as people, need to work on.
0: I think I'll definitely, going forward, it, it, obviously I, I guess I'm used to some extent, but I think I'll definitely start to be a little bit more observant. So actually, thank you for that, Kian. I think <laughs> less than like, we see this is an educational <laughs> podcast. There's
3: a lot of things that we sort of pick up that a lot of girls actually don't, and it's mm-hmm. quite interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: I think we always, I think one thing that, um, again, maybe it's just me, but I think from, an obser- like, from the position of an observer, I think we, a lot of us tend to negate the, a man's ability to have intuition because it's something that's so heavily associated with women. Yeah. So we assume if something's off in a conversation, all oh, the guys didn't pick up on it. But actually, like no, you no. just said, like.
3: I mean, yeah, so I'm. Well, I think that might be me, but I'm really observing that. No, think, I,
1: I know that especially quite a few of the guys in our group that I've spoken to, including you, yeah. they have picked up on stuff. Yeah, we've we, picked up on as well. We, like, we, it's not just a gender thing, I think. Yeah, it, no, I think. Mm-hmm.
3: We do, and also I think it depends on personalities as well. Like mm-hmm. some people just don't, can't be bothered, with, and just sort of ignore. <laughs> I mean, for me, for example, I'll pick up stuff, I just don't care. Yes, I, don't have to I do anything about it.
0: Yeah. I think mean, sometimes it can be emotionally exhausting, where it's like, it's like on the one hand, as like I think this is just a thing that I, I apply to all my friends, which is no matter what, I so desperately want to help you if you need me and if you need that help and if you're ready to receive that help. Because some people just aren't ready to. Yeah. And it
1: can be quite draining if you um, consistently try and help, help someone exactly. who doesn't want to be helped. Yeah. Like Tyler was saying, you can't fix someone, whether it's in a relationship or a friendship. So mm. I think what I something I've had to learn is, you know obviously you can ask them if they need yeah. your help but don't press
0: it because at the end of the yeah. day it's just going to end up hurting you as well as them.
3: I, I'll always offer my support to someone but if they don't want it, it's fine. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I was
0: thinking it's one of those things where one of the worst things a person can let happen is get it, insist on helping other people to the point where they neglect their own needs. And I think, because yeah. the, the times where I say, oh, I can't be bothered, it's usually just because I'm so tired of whatever's going on for me. And obviously later on, once I've gotten through that thing, maybe I'll look back with a little bit of regret or a little bit of guilt. The thing I thing is on yourself first. But you do really, like yeah. you're in no position to help anyone else if you can't help I yourself.
3: Think, I think we're all guilty of doing that. Because mm-hmm. I think, especially, <laughs> for you I know for me, sometimes I being in situations where I won't want to like I'll be absolutely fine mm-hmm. but I'll never want to tell people because I don't want it to affect them mm-hmm. and sort of their relationship with people and sort of oh, their sort of ideas that, yeah. I don't want to say something even if it's bothering me mm-hmm. I'll never sort of say it to them unless they actually want to know because mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to like put my problems on someone else even though it might be a good thing to do I just never feel like that's the right thing for me to do to people
0: I think so. It's it's weird as well because when I consider our friendship group I think we're all mature enough <laughs> To an extent, to know that communication. I I don't know which version we're I'll go on the Okay, all of us in this room can admit that communication yeah, no. yeah. is very, yes. very yeah. important. However, all of us in this room can also admit that we've refrained from communicating at a time, I think. Not to make presumption, of mm-hmm. no. of no, yeah, yeah, tomorrow, yeah, but yeah. because we're worried about how that might affect someone else. And so it yeah. is, it's is—it's such a paradoxical thing, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, one time. But other than that, if I'm sad, everyone's got to be sad. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, I get you yeah. I actually wanted to touch on the point that I mentioned earlier. A lot of people don't understand that when trauma... Even like just necessary relationship trauma and stuff like that happens. Mm-hmm. People don't know. People think that, you know, people refrain from being intimate and stuff like that. But people don't understand that on the other scale you can be like very hyper, like per sexual, sexual yeah. like stuff like that. Because yeah, I saw a post of it on Instagram. It's quite. Interesting. Obviously, we weren't talking about rape before, but I'm just going to bring it up. So um, I was looking at that, like, a lot of rape victims don't blame them because a lot of them want to sort of take control of their body again or their emotions. So they have sex with a lot of people. And that mm-hmm. may be why a lot of guys and even girls just feel like they need to, like, sort of, like, get control of themselves again. And then they go finding, you know, intimate stuff
0: of, like, other people stuff like that again. But at the end of the day... I think it's almost like compartmentalising where it's like a part of your brain then after something like that happens be it something seriously as horrific as rape or um, something like like a traumatic relationship you start to convince yourself sex is just a physical thing it's an animalistic thing there's no emotion versus some people who so heavily want to associate and I think it's just different mindsets for different circumstances I think also bit off topic what are we going to title this podcast? Because we've
1: gone through so um, many topics. I was, I was thinking in my head, I was thinking, just a simple three-part technology, sex relationship, something like that. Cool. Or technology-related
0: communication. Yeah. Something along those lines, we'll figure it out. Because I was going to say, to anyone listening to this, I'm aware it's been a bit eclectic, um, but you can't be mean to us, because we're back after a long time exactly. so it's, it's been a, it's our
1: Christmas present to you yeah
0: I'd
3: be disappointed if my Christmas present like... <laughs> there's someone just sat there crying like oh god why <laughs> I mean if yeah.
1: any
2: of my JW friends are watching I'm not part of this Christmas present <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't a Christmas. Just that. <laughs> let's you, let's you, if you oh.
0: hate on us for this podcast, considering we're new to this, you're basically bullying a baby. And what does that say about you as a person? Hmm. Hmm? What do you bully children?
3: Wow. You're blackmailing your audience.
0: <laughs> 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 I just shout into my I love,
3: love to bully
2: children.
3: It's just so funny. We <laughs> 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 have that on
0: record. <laughs> are you going to say that no, no but um, we're going to piss our children is so um, funny no. for someone to compile moments of Tyler out of context yeah <laughs> because it's my like, I, I can, do, I can do that
3: with our conversation content. just take like little clips of what I she said I guarantee Tyler you will
1: get cancelled I mean I don't I'm woke
2: com- <laughs> you like like 10 can- people this <laughs> day. Day. you know what guys they're just being um I'm going to use the race card. Yeah, they're just being racist oh. right now. Oh. Oh, yeah. Hello, <laughs> Oh! Hello! No. She
3: knows here at ethnic minority? Yeah, but
2: you're light-skinned, so I'm it does count! Dream. Yeah, we're quite like
3: passing privilege. <laughs> 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 I
2: mean, I don't know, Kian looks Asian to me. Yeah, Kian. Well, I do. Kian, but yeah.
1: but it's, still, dude, it's still pretty light. And I can cool. tell,
2: like, if I was- if I, I could tell that I it was, can like- I tell. Oh, yeah. Oh. Like, wow. No, you stereotype oh you at me? Oh my god, god. <laughs> leave, me <laughs> wow. leave me alone! Leave me alone! Fuck at the fuck! Let's be honest, we've all had a time when people missed... Um, misti- oh yeah, yeah. I get called yeah.
3: Brazilian all the time. I, I don't, don't know, know why. It's really random.
0: I yeah, can't understand know. why people would think that you look Brazilian. Brazilian, Brazilian I get yeah, Brazilian,
3: <laughs> Spanish, and then Moroccan. I don't know what Moroccan is. <laughs> oh, you don't look Moroccan. <laughs> no, I mean, you? don't have curly hair. Do Moroccans look curly
0: hair? A lot of
3: them do. I mean,
2: I know afro Moroccans.
1: I don't know. That bell is our... So
2: time to
1: fuck up you the outro
3: <gasps> okay well
1: thank you guys if you stuck with us for that um, very interesting I feel like I should
0: apologise
1: Sarah needs to stop apologising for everything that she does because um, it's getting a bit annoying to be if honest It's
3: your just start apologising
1: <laughs> pretty much every week <laughs> okay. I try a list of things Right. I don't know if people have lessons to go to so we'll make this quick I don't want to go to my lesson but I am mm.
0: but anyway right who goes first no yeah okay. okay so with all that said thank you so much for listening um if that's all there is uh i've been sarah i've been miranda and this has been the, the common Ground podcast, podcast.